Micro Megas vacation one year I fell in love with Bridger Bowl and I'd always wanted to live somewhere where I could ski. This is Alan Moore, co-founder of XY Planning Network. That's a network of financial planners, but don't cringe. If there's a financial planning stereotype, Alan doesn't fit it. He's young, outspoken, active, and his contagious passion can make anyone interested in financial topics. Uh, we, we skied and fished in the same uh, weekend, but uh, I went fishing and, and we needed to run a shuttle and went out and hitchhiked up and a woman that was probably nine months pregnant stopped and picked me up and, and a buddy so we could run up and I was just like where else in the country will a nine-month pregnant woman pick up two strange men on the side of the road and help them out so I just realized like this was the place for me and so moved out here and uh, full-time in 2014. Alan grew up in Georgia and was partly inspired by his father who tried his hand at a couple of entrepreneurial ventures while he was growing up but he credits much of his present circumstances to being homeschooled. Uh, I was homeschooled my entire life, starting in second grade all the way through uh, high school. And I think that also sort of contributed because, uh, one, my parents weren't afraid to, to sort of break the norm and try different things if they thought it was a better path, you know, instead of just staying on the path that was expected. Uh, but also, I, I never necessarily developed the healthiest level of respect for authority uh, that, that sort of inhibited my ability to be successful uh, early on in my career when I had jobs, uh, but ultimately, you know, found sort of my own spot again, sort of being an entrepreneur and a business owner. That lack of respect for authority would ultimately lead to XY Planning Network, as Alan discovered that he didn't quite fit in at other people's firms. I worked at two uh, financial planning firms early on in my career uh, before I got fired from my last job, and then decided to launch my own financial planning firm when I was 25. Um, and then that, you know, starting my own firm sort of led to some of the work that we're doing today. I've, I've always been in financial services. I love this profession. I love the work that we do. Uh, I did realize that I, I wasn't necessarily the best financial advisor and that I, I really enjoy helping financial advisors now instead of being one myself. Uh, but yeah, I've spent my, my entire career in this space. I asked Alan to say more about getting fired. We always think of entrepreneurship as risky, right? Entrepreneurship is risk. Starting a business is risky, and it is. Uh, but risky can also be putting 100% of your income in the hands of an individual that you don't even like. And that's what I realized was that someone that I didn't like and, and didn't have a lot of respect for at the time professionally you know, was my boss. And, and we didn't get along, so ultimately I, I got let go. Uh, didn't do anything illegal or unethical. It just wasn't a good fit. And what I realized was that one person had the power to take away 100% of my income. It was a really scary proposition. Uh, the other thing that happened was when I really started looking at it, I felt like I had two paths. I could go be a associate financial advisor making $50,000 a year, or I could start my own firm. And if I started my own business, like two things would happen. I was either successful, good for me, or I would fail. And if I failed, I would go get a job as an associate advisor making $50,000 a year. So it's like, I, I felt like, like, why live plan B when I can try plan A and just see what happens? And so that's what I ultimately did. Uh, I'll say that uh, it didn't, it doesn't quite work out that, that clean cut as it sounds, but it was, it was the right path for me. The idea for XY Planning Network grew out of Alan's experience taking phone calls after he opened his firm. You know, in running my business, what happened was, uh, you know, financial planners tend to be older. The median age of a financial advisor is 56. Um, and so it's, it's sort of this aging population working with aging clients. And I just want to do things a little differently. I was 25 at the time. 
uh, had the desire to work with people in their 20s, 30s, maybe their 40s. They were dealing with situations I was dealing with, getting married, having babies, starting a business, like student loans. Those are the conversations I wanted to be having. And so I started my financial planning firm. It was called Serenity Financial Consulting with the intention of helping people in their 20s and 30s. Uh, and when I started my firm, everyone said it can't be done. No one, you know, people in their 20s don't pay for financial advice. They don't need financial advice. What are you doing? Uh, you know, and, and I just said, like, look, I, I think there's a business here helping these these clients. And so um, what it needed, though, was a new service model. You couldn't take the old service model that worked for baby boomer clients and apply it to Gen X and Gen Y clients. I remember very early on when I was starting my business, I called a couple of people, a couple of other financial advisors that had started their firms and asked them questions because I really needed some help. And they, they picked up the phone and they helped. And I credit the fact that I made it to some of the people that were willing to pick up the phone. So when I started my firm, you know, I, I go through this process and I said, you know what? If anybody ever calls me, I'm going to be the guy that picks up the phone. And I committed to being that guy. Well, in the first 12 months of running my financial planning firm, 100 phone calls happened. And Did you regret that commitment? <laughs> it was tough. It was a stretch. Uh, and, and any entrepreneur that has started a business knows that first year is critical to success. And, and having 100 hour-long phone calls is just a lot. And so uh, I realized, like, okay, maybe there's actually a business here helping other financial advisors start and run their own business. Uh, and then that ultimately led to us launching XY. At the end of the day, this is what that looks like. So we start with helping our advisors really try to understand what are they building and why are they building it. One of the great myths of entrepreneurship is that there is a single right answer. There's a single right way. You know, some people say, well, you should grow. Or some people say, well, you know, you should stay by yourself. Or you should try to make a lot of money. Or you should have employees. Or you should want, you know, to, to only work 30 hours a week. And, and I just like to say, like, stop shooting on yourself and just... Think for you and your family and in your life stage, like what do you what do you need the business to be to support you living your great life? Because that's what entrepreneurship is all about: is figuring out what is your definition of a great life, and then building a business that supports your great life. Once they have that vision in mind, then we go through creating a business plan and a marketing plan, defining their niche market or their target market, and who they're going to work with, their service model, their fee structure. So really walking them through the process of getting the business launched. Uh, and then we also have uh, bookkeepers on staff and, and we're able to help with their tax returns, marketing plans, like really anything that it takes to run the business so that they can go out uh, again and, and really do the great work that they're trained to do. XY Planning Network works with 850 financial advisors in 48 states. Helping other financial planners get started is unique, but what is really special about what they do is their focus on generations X and Y under a fee-only fiduciary model. Yeah, so most financial services has historically built around helping people that already had wealth. If you have a million dollars saved uh, and you're looking for a financial advisor, you can find tons of advisors that are happy to work with you. Uh, but if you're a, a young person, you're, you're 30 years old, you're getting married, you make $100,000 a year because you're as a household uh, and things are going really well, but you don't have any assets saved, like no financial advisor would work with you, which we just felt like was was not okay. And and what we found was that there were a lot of fin young financial advisors that wanted to work with their peers. They wanted to work with younger clients, but our business model really wasn't built, uh, originally it wasn't built for working with younger clients. And what I mean by that is, you know, most advisors, I think 97% of financial advisors charge what we call an AUM fee or an asset center management fee. So if you have a million dollars, we charge you 1%, that's $10,000 a year fee good to go, right? I have 100 clients, I can make good money. 
Uh, that works great, but 1% of a million is great. 1% of nothing is not a good business model. So we had to rethink, if you were designing this from the ground up for a different target market, where we're working with younger clients, how would you design it? So really, XY Plan Network is all about bringing financial planning to the next generation of clients that really have never been able to access financial advice because the fee model and the service model didn't match up with their needs. Uh, and so that's really the movement that we're seeing is towards both you know serving younger clients, but also doing so in, in what we call fee-only in a fiduciary way. Uh, so fee only basically means no commissions. Uh, you know, there are a lot of folks out there that may sell you a product on commission, which is fine. There, there's nothing evil or wrong about that. But commissions can influence the types of products that you recommend. And legally, uh, if you sell on commission, you don't actually have to sell someone the best product for them. You just have to sell one that's acceptable. It's like going to a tailor and, and basically them, you know, selling you a suit that fits but's really ugly. Uh, as long as it fits, it's okay. And that's sort of the, the legal requirement in our space. I didn't like that. I, I really wanted to feel like our advisors and, and us personally, that we were on the same side of the table as our clients working together. And so all of our advisors are fiduciaries, meaning they work in their client's best interest 100% of the time, no exceptions, no ifs, ands, or buts. And so uh, we do have a lot of advisors that are doing a lot of awesome work and really helping their clients. Something important that I should mention at this point is that Alan hasn't been alone in all this. He has been working with a partner named Michael Kitsis, who's a pretty big name in financial circles. Yeah, so uh, we, uh, so Michael uh, and I originally met on Twitter. So we've been internet dating for eight years now. Um, so, but seriously, we met on Twitter originally, uh, started interacting there and, and he already had a platform, uh, had been an advisor for, uh, like I said, he's about a decade older than I am. And we had been back and forth on some various business ideas. Uh, he tends to get involved in some small businesses, you know, that are, uh, he's able to send uh, advisors to based on his platform. He has a recruiting platform that's, you know, that helps financial advisors hire their first employee, that sort of thing. Uh, and so I had reached out to him via email and said, hey, man, like I, I have an idea for a business. And he and I went back and forth via email and really fleshed out what was going to become XY Planning Network. Alan thinks that having a co-founder was a huge advantage, particularly in this instance. The, the greatest uh, decision I ever made was partnering with, with Michael. So Michael has a uh, massive blog and research platform called Kitsis.com. Uh, and so he, you know, we have about 285,000 financial advisors in our space. Uh, he gets 200,000 unique visitors to his blog every month, which means two thirds of the industry watch him. Uh, so he has massive name recognition. So he really brought a, a branding and marketing uh, aspect to the business that, that honestly you couldn't pay for. And so uh, when we first launched with him, we initially said like, so we launched in April 2014. We said by August, so four months, maybe we can have 20 advisors. And we had 20 within three days. Uh, and then we hit 30 within, I think, 10 days. And we turned off applications because we said we cannot take any more business right now. Because, like, w you know, when we first launched, it's like, all right, like, we have the idea of what they need and what we're going to provide them. But we really had to build it. Ultimately, what we did was we turned off new member applications. And, and then we went to our members and said, hey, you know, we recognize you showed up because you know me and Michael and you trust us. What do you want from us? What does it mean to be part of XY Planning Network? What can we provide you? And fortunately, they were they were willing to, to tell us and wait around long enough for us to get it built so that they would hang out and continue to be members. Uh, and so uh, that was really how, that, how, how the initial launch happened. But Alan sees more advantages in having a co-founder than name recognition and professional connections. I, I call Michael my filter. If you don't have a filter as a typical serial entrepreneur type personality, then you sort of just always create chaos. 
because you're constantly changing ideas. You're constantly rolling out new things without really following up on the last thing that got rolled out and being sure it continues to run well. Uh, and so Michael has really helped us here create uh, a sense of calm in the midst of chaos. And so by by me sort of funneling ideas through Michael and now through our COO, Raul, uh, and, and the three of us really working together, it helps to keep the chaos and all the ideas and all that uh, at, the, at the executive level, if you will. So by the time they filter out to the team, it's well thought out, it's well documented, we know how we're gonna execute it, we know who on the team should be executing it. So I think it's really helped, uh, quite frankly, protect the team from me at times. Uh, and, and I mean that in, in a loving way to myself. And, and again, we, we share core values, so we, we have a high level of respect for each other. If you don't respect your co-founder or your business partner, it'll never work. Uh, but the same way that a, a great marriage is probably two very different people with similar core values, a, a great business partner relationship is going to be similar core values but very different strengths that you know, you're able to bring to the team. Yeah, and just back to the fact that you met on Twitter. Is that, yes, is that common for co-founders to meet on Twitter? <laughs> I do not think I so. Mean, it is the 21st century, but that does still sound a little surprising. I know. It, it's just one of those, like, we started we started talking, and we have very different personalities, uh, but we agree at, at our core, our core values are the same. We have very different strengths. Uh, he's more of a detail-oriented, data-driven person. Uh, I'm more the big picture, you know, get things moving, uh, sometimes run a little too fast, but want to run as fast as possible. He's a little more cautious. So we offset each other very well, but at our core, we have have very similar core values. And I think some of those initial conversations that just tweeting back and forth with each other, and then, you know, we saw each other at a conference. And so we already sort of had developed that initial relationship. We at least had name recognition when we sat down at the conference over lunch and chatted about a few things. And that just sort of culminated into a relationship that, that has, you know, produced a, a pretty awesome uh, set of businesses. Alan and Michael live on opposite sides of the country, which didn't matter when they were small and starting out. But as the company grew, the time came to choose a location for their headquarters. I was here in Bozeman, uh, working out of my guest bedroom. Never thought for a second that I would be working out of an office ever again. Uh, Michael was in D.C., and then our COO was based in Dallas. And so we just looked at the three towns and said, where do we want to go? Uh, you know, where where's appropriate for headquarters? And D.C. was quickly chopped off the list. It, very expensive and a lot of competition out there. Uh, but it was really between Dallas and, and Bozeman. Do you go to Dallas with like 5 million people in the Metroplex and you can easily recruit? But it's a sea of concrete. Everyone has an hour-long commute. Or do we come to Bozeman? And what we realized was, look, for the business that we wanted to build, business had the culture uh, that we wanted and, and the types of people that we wanted, that we had the, the lifestyle that we want to live, uh, the, the business infrastructure. We have, you know, uh, Bozeman Fiber downtown, so we're able to get high-speed internet coming into the, the office. Like, we really had all the things that we needed. Online content is essential to the XY marketing plan. One form that takes is a podcast. Yeah, so we started XYPN Radio. Uh, it's been over four years now. It's crazy to, to think about, uh, or almost four years now. But uh, yeah, we started, you know, really it's a marketing tool. And so we use it. Uh, I'll interview uh, financial advisors that have started their own business, talk about their journey, talk about the, the first 12 months and how difficult of a ride entrepreneurship is. It's very much a roller coaster. Uh, entrepreneurship is not easy. It is a tough road. And but having those conversations, those very raw conversations around the difficulties and the challenges and the successes and what people are doing uh, has been really great. So uh, I think we're approaching episode 200 where we, we have almost 200 hours of content for someone who says like, I want to start my own financial planning firm. They can go listen to stories of other advisors and learn a lot from them through that process. So uh, actually the, the podcast has probably been either number one or number two in terms of marketing uh, for XY Planning Network and b- being able to expand our reach and, and 
reach those folks that were thinking about starting a business that may not have known who we were. In Alan's view, the more content they can create, the better. It brings clients to them and saves them time that would have been spent tracking them down. Yeah, we are. Uh, I, I'm a big believer in inbound marketing, and it's all about content. So if you go to our website, you go to our blog, we have been producing three to four pieces of content every week, uh, really since we started. So we have thousands of resources on our website. And the reason we do that is because if you ever Google a problem, how to start a financial planning firm, compliance for, for RIAs or financial planners, what CRM should I use as a financial planner? You're going to come across an article that we wrote on that topic, and you're going to see us or you're going to see Michael. Uh, and you're ultimately going to get funneled in through our uh, conversion funnel into being a member of XY. And so uh, I'm, I'm not a big believer in going and knocking down doors and trying to find people that want to buy from you. I'd much rather be where the, the prospective customer is looking because that's a much easier conversion to turn them into a paying member as opposed to trying to convince someone who's never thought about starting their own business to do it. Just to put it in perspective, so last year we were honored, uh, we were on the, the Inc. 5000 list as the 168th fastest growing company in America. Uh, now, granted, as 168 of the people who actually submitted their numbers. I'm sure there are many faster growing companies out there. Um, but when we won that award, we only had one person doing sales and one person in marketing. So we were able to achieve that level of growth with just one marketing person and one salesperson. And the reason we were able to do it was because we are so content focused and, and content heavy and not necessarily relying on uh, knocking on doors and cold calling. To close things out, I asked Alan about the negative stereotypes his profession elicits. Yeah, I, we've, we have a bad reputation as financial advisors and we've earned it. And it's because we've spent decades uh, selling products to people that thought they were getting advice. So people went into their insurance agent's office and said, you know, hey, I need some retirement planning advice. And, and they got sold a crap product that they shouldn't have purchased. Uh, you know, my, uh, I remember the story of my great-grandfather buying a, a retirement, a new, you know, he thought it was, it was going to be retirement for him and his kids and his grandkids. And it was just a whole life insurance policy. It was total crap and it wasn't worth anything. Uh, sunk his life savings into it. And so historically, financial advising has not been a positive experience. It hasn't been a positive uh, industry. And even as we move this direction to the type of work that our advisors are doing that is fiduciary focused, it is uh, you know, really client-centric, money's still a hard thing to talk about. No one wakes up in the morning and says, like, you know what I want to do? Talk to a stranger about money. You know, you want to test this, go ask your parents how much money they make. Just ask them, how much money do you make? How much money do you have in the bank? they won't answer. That's an uncomfortable question. And so it is a, it is a really difficult topic. Uh, but I will say that uh, financial advisors uh, and sort of the advice industry in general, we actually have a 97% client retention rate year over year, which is the highest of any other industry uh, that I've ever seen. And the reason is because once you experience financial planning, you, you see the benefits and the value of it, and you continue to engage that advisor, even though you, know, you may not have to, you choose to continue that relationship. And so I would encourage folks that are on the fence, go hire a real financial advisor. And the way you find a real financial advisor, uh, you can go to our website or, or you can just Google fiduciary oath. Uh, and download a fiduciary oath, take that in, and if the advisor is willing to sign it, they're a real advisor. If they're not willing to sign it, they are not a real advisor. Use that as your litmus test. So get someone to sign that piece of paper and then experience real financial planning. When you do, I think you'll see uh, just why we, we know that it is a helping profession. If you want to learn more about XY Planning Network or financial planning in general, you can look them up. 
Yeah, if you're interested in hiring a financial advisor, you can go to xyplanningnetwork.com and, and we have a, a, a find an advisor search portal on there. And if you are uh, interested in, in career opportunities, we have a careers page on xyplanningnetwork.com as well because uh, we we're growing rapidly and always looking for awesome talent to come join our team. So definitely uh, you can go to our career page. If you don't see a position that makes sense for you, you can sign up for our uh, newsletter that sends out job notices. So check it out. I would like to thank the city of Bozeman particularly the Public Library and Office of Economic Development, for giving me the opportunity to create this podcast. Additional thanks to Montana Campus Compact and to Gallatin Valley Community Radio for broadcasting the show. Tune your radios to KGVM 95.9 and give them a listen. Original music was provided by the benevolent Jeffrey Lackman, a friend. Feel free to leave a comment. I'd love to hear how you think we can make this better. Subscribe and you'll never miss an episode. And if you're an entrepreneur in the city of Bozeman, or you know an entrepreneur in these parts, let me know. Maybe your story can be the next we tell. I can be contacted by email at vista at bozeman.net. That's V-I-S-T-A at bozeman.net.